Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Kelly Sayer. She is someone who believes that all women can learn how to be more situationally aware to keep themselves and their loved ones safe. She took self-defense classes, firearm safety courses, and browsed all the tools marketed to women to carry for their protection. But what she couldn't find was someone talking to women about how to spot a potentially dangerous situation before it happened. That's when her company, the Diamond Arrow Group, was born. An arrow through a diamond symbolizes courage moving forward, and her mission is to help women build their confidence so they can move forward and live life on their own terms. Kelly, welcome to the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence podcast. Thanks for having me, Fred. My goodness, uh, how did you get into this business? <laughs> well, um, like you mentioned in my bio, I've always been interested in personal safety for myself. I grew up fascinated with the James Bond, Jason Bourne type movies and thought it was really cool that those individuals could read a situation and know what was going to happen before anything even happened. I didn't realize it was a thing. I thought it was either Hollywood special effects or something you learned if you were a CIA spy or secret service. So I didn't realize consciously the things and the ways that I acted actually involved situational awareness, being aware of my surroundings, using all of my senses to tell me what was in my environment. And only once I actually <laughs> got married to a law enforcement officer and having some of those discussions, you know, he would ask, well, why didn't they know? Or how could they not have thought? Why did they go with not wanting to be rude? wanting to be kind? Why did they let that person push their boundaries? And so some of those discussions made me realize, yeah, why, why does that happen? Why, um, how can I help women learn how to trust their instincts? And when I started doing my own research, I realized there was a lot of training out there for law enforcement in the military for obvious reasons, but no one was talking to civilians, especially women, in a way that made sense to them. And that's when I decided to start sharing my knowledge and see what women thought. And, and the response has been overwhelming because almost every woman I've talked to has a story where their intuition alarms were going off. They maybe didn't know exactly why, but they just knew something was wrong. And we don't talk about things that didn't happen. We don't talk about walking safely down the street. We only talk about when we are attacked or when bad things do happen. You know, that's uh, a fascinating observation because every victim that I have ever spoken to, whether it be from a hostage taking or a hijacking or just a criminal offense, uh, in, in most cases, they will tell you that they perceive something was wrong 
but uh, they discounted the threat at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly it. <laughs> you get back to your observation skills and your gut and so forth, but but how are victims chosen? Obviously, there we can't get into the heads of every predator, but through my research and what I've studied and found is that there are some basic things that people can do or not do, I guess, for that sake, that make them more likely to be chosen by a potential attacker. Number one being being distracted. If we're not paying attention to our surroundings and we're distracted, it's a lot easier to be surprised. I mean, the attacker doesn't want us to see them coming, doesn't want to see, doesn't want us to see them approach. This can happen, especially in those transitional areas. You know, if we park our car in the parking lot and then we're walking up to our apartment building or walking up to our house, walking into the store. So many of us are fumbling in our purse or grabbing our keys or looking at our phone quick and we're not paying attention. You can think about it as if you cross, before you cross a road, you stop and look both ways to make sure there's no cars. So being aware of any potential dangers is so important when it comes to your situational awareness. And unfortunately, so many of us are attached to our electronic devices, our cell phones, and we're always looking at them. We're always, we have this need to respond to that text, respond to that notification right away. And so we tend to be a lot more distracted. You know, Kelly, you've touched on something that's um, amazing to me is when you drive down any street in America and, you know, granted with COVID, uh, you don't have the volumes of people walking around like you once, but you once had, but you still see so many people just with their head buried in their iPhone or electronic device and, and just not paying attention. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many videos have you watched? from CCTV footage where everyone's on their phone and completely unaware of what's going on around them. Even if they're not the, the victim, it could be happening right next to them and they're completely oblivious to what's going on. Kelly, what's the, um, one of the points that uh, I read in preparation for this was your thoughts on the perception of weakness. Could you cover that for our listeners? Sure. So there's the study back from the 1980s in New York City, and I'm forgetting the name of the two. I think one was Stein and Morris, I think, was the, the study where they recorded people going about their normal day, walking down the street, took that footage, showed it to criminals who were in the system for attacking or muggings, and said, well, who would you choose as a victim? And they chose the same people. And it wasn't based on age or gender. It was based on how they carried themselves. Did they look, did they have a limp maybe? Did they look like maybe they had an injury so they were less likely to fight back or they were going to be weaker? A, a lot of times you'll hear, well, the attackers are going to go after women because they appear less. You, you very rarely hear of an actual asocial type attack from a predator that is weaker physically than their victim. And so how you carry yourself, and we've all heard the adage of she's 100 pounds soaking wet, but I wouldn't right. mess with her. It's how you carry yourself. So that perception of weakness, do you look like you're going to be submissive? Do you look like you're scared and you're just going to do whatever they say? And not saying that you shouldn't, if someone's coming up and demanding your purse, yeah, throw it at them, can be replaced. 
you know, throw it in the opposite direction and take off running. But being aware of your limitations or carrying yourself with confidence can really have an impact. It's that first impression rule. You know, we've all heard in that business aspect or <laughs> meeting your potential future in-laws, that first impression matters. You get seven seconds to make a good positive first impression. Well, that same thing goes for predators who are looking for their next victim. They're looking to see, do you fit the profile of someone that they could win against, someone that they will accomplish their goal of getting your purse, attacking you, raping you, whatever it may be. So having that awareness and how you carry yourself can help you avoid situations that you don't even know you're avoiding. What advice would you have on how not to appear like a target? A lot of times people think that being situation aware is keeping your head on a swivel, <laughs> you know, and constantly looking around your environment, which That's a police term. I'm sure you've heard that from your, your you probably have heard that from your husband a zillion times, right? Yes, exactly. And that can be intimidating for some women. They're like, "Well, what am I looking for? How will I know?" And so really breaking that down and I say, "Okay, stay curious about your environment." You know, you want to stay relaxed. You don't want to be hypervigilant and paranoid because if you're paranoid thinking everything is a potential threat, then you're not going to get the message from your intuition when there really is something you need to pay attention to. There will be too much noise in your head. And so I say, stay curious about your environment. Like, what does it smell like? What would you normally expect to smell when you walk into a coffee shop, when you walk into a mechanic's garage? What sounds would you normally expect to here in this environment, you know, it can be very different, especially now with COVID. What would you normally expect to see at a coffee shop is something quiet, which is going to be very different than if you were at a rock concert, which is very loud. So you always want to look at what doesn't seem to fit and observing. I always say, stay curious when you're walking down the street, look at the cars parked on the side of the road. Is anyone sitting in them? Are they running? Um, I live in the Midwest where it gets cold, so it's not unusual to see an empty car running or someone sitting in a car in the winter months with it running. So it's not to look at them in fear, but it's just to make an observation. That car is running. There is someone sitting in the driver's seat or the passenger seat, what have you. And that will help you notice when you're like, huh, that's odd, or that doesn't seem to fit. And then you can pay more attention to decide, is it a potential threat? Is it something I need to pay more attention to? Or is it what I would normally expect to see here? Kelly, when you're going through your day-to-day -day life and you're either running or you're, you're going to work or you're, you're running your errands or so forth, like, like all of us have to do, do you have a uh, mental plan of scenarios that you run through your head like almost uh, like they would train us to do when we were driving a follow car, you know, well, what if uh, this vehicle started to ram you? What are you going to do? So do you do you run through those ideas in your own mind? I do. And probably too much. Um, it's become such a habit for me that I don't consciously think about it. Um, I have to really focus. But what I do, especially when I'm running, that's a great example. Um, where we live is tends to be more of a country setting. Now I do take my large dog with me, but still there's things where I'm like, okay, what would I do if a car passed me and then I noticed it turning around and starting to follow me? 
You know, where is the nearest house? What would I do? Um, I consider the tools I'm carrying with me if I'm going on a run. Is it during the day? Is it at night? How populated is it? And so I run through these scenarios in my head so I can be better prepared because I don't want to be in a situation where all of a sudden I go, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, in my classes, I show a video of a woman being approached from behind. What it looks like to kind of set the stage is she parked her car and is walking to her apartment building and she's on her phone looking down and a man approaches from behind and puts her in a chokehold and he's taller than her. So she is off the ground, her feet are kicking and it only takes seven seconds for her to mm. be choked out. Now he grabs her phone and runs and you see in the video that she comes to and she wakes up. And I show that video in my classes, you know, in silence. And then when it's over, I say, okay, what would you do? And so many of the people are like, I, I don't know. And they're waiting for an answer from me. But I say, but I respond with, okay, great. Start thinking about some of the things you would do. And there's a little bit of a pause. And what I'm trying to show them is, I don't know what I would do isn't a good enough answer. You need to think about these things. And there's no right or wrong answer, so to speak. But it's just thinking through and creating that plan instead of sticking your head in the sand and hoping nothing happens to you. I, I offer to women, I say, look at headlines. If you read about an attack on a woman, look at it and ask yourself, what would I do if that happened to me? And it's not the victim blaming. We're not looking at it and saying the victim should have done this or shouldn't have done that. It's what would you do if that happened to you? And I tell them, Sit, at, sit down at home where you feel safe and close your eyes and mentally go through that scenario. Put yourself in that scenario. Try and feel, smell, hear, whatever it involves as much as you can imagine to make it real. And your heart will probably start pumping. Your hands might start sweating. But wouldn't you rather go through that scenario in your head when you're safe versus then it happening to you? Because we can't, we can't prepare for every scenario. It always, it depends. And we don't know how we're going to respond in when our adrenaline's spiking and we're in a high stress situation. But having created some of those neural pathways ahead of time and kind of that mental memory bank of plans, what would I do if a glass broke in my house while I was upstairs? What would I do if someone was trying to break in? What would I do if someone was following me at the grocery store when I have my two little kids? You know, it's another thing for women is a lot of times self-defense tactics don't take into account that we probably have little ones with us that can't run, that aren't going to understand how to be quiet, that are going to respond because they're scared and cry. So we have to take all of that into account. And what is the plan? Yeah. And certainly hope is not a plan. That's uh, right. That's uh, very good advice there. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about OnTIC's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the OnTIC Center for Protective Intelligence. We are regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights, lessons learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.ai/center. That's ontic.ai/center. 
now when you you see i mean horrific stories of women running um and mm. and attacked you know kidnapped and you know of course there's the, the recent one in Colorado where the the lady went out for a bicycle ride and nobody knows what happened she just disappeared uh, what kind of tools would you recommend that someone run with or exercise with and and also related to that um we learned a long time ago that predictable predictable habits are somewhat fatal. Meaning, mm -hmm. if you look at you know time of departure, when attacks take place, and so forth. So, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on on that because when most people exercise, they are creatures of habit. So, uh, what's your thoughts on that? And then what what recommendations do you have on what people should run with? Well, I'll tackle the predictability question first, because that is very important. Um, you know, even reading your book, uh, Ghost, you talk about when people have a routine, that's a lot easier for the attackers to monitor and to know what's going to happen and to make their plan because you're so routine. And we are creatures of habit. It's easier when we've got so much going on to do the same things because it requires less thought for that. That's, that's why you know, who Mark Zuckerberg and um, forgetting his name right now, they wear the same clothes because it's one less thing they have to think about. So right. I get it. I totally understand why we get into routines. We've got so much on our plates nowadays and it's okay to change it up, you know, choose things and just be aware. Okay. If I'm going to go for a run and I've committed, I've, you know, made a resolution that I'm going to commit to my health and I'm going to run three days a week, be stringent on working out, but be flexible about the when it could work sometimes in the afternoon. It could work in the morning because if you have that predictability and you always go for a walk at 6am or you always go for that run, you know, after your kids get on the bus, just realize then if someone is targeting you because now you're alone, that is something that you don't want to give them that opportunity. You need to take away that opportunity. And so, I mean, honestly, for me, because life is unpredictable, it actually makes me less stressed to go with the flow. I realize everything happens for a reason. We've all seen the stories where they say, don't get mad that you got stuck in traffic and you're a little late to your meeting because maybe you would have been in a car accident had you been on time. And so I kind of look at it as everything happens for a reason. So if my life agenda, my day's agenda gets mixed up, there might've been a really good reason. And so it kind of lets me let go of that control, even though I'm a very much a type A personality. <laughs> um, with tools, again, I always say it depends. I really like to talk to women and learn more about them and their lifestyle and what they're comfortable with. You know, I've given away mace sprays at when I've spoken at events and I've had women come back and be like, I don't feel comfortable with mace. So and, and I say, great, no problem. How about a flashlight? And then they look at me like I'm crazy because they don't understand how a little tactical flashlight, it can be a self-defense tool. Right. But I walk them through it. And here's the thing. If you as a female aren't comfortable using whatever tool that got given to you because if you go and look at all of uh, pepper spray reviews or most tool self-defense tools that are promoted to women if you look at the reviews it's mostly men buying it for their girlfriends wives daughters sisters females that they care about in their life 
Very rarely do women buy their own self-defense tools. It's typically bought for them without, yeah, without their input and without them being able to ask their questions. I don't know how many women I've talked to that I say, okay, who has mace spray or pepper spray? And they, you know, let's say five raise their hands. And then I go, okay, how many of you have ever sprayed them? And none of them raise their hands because they're too afraid. In their mind, they've heard so much about, well, pay attention to which way the wind is blowing because otherwise you might get blowback and spray yourself. And so they're even scared to spray it to test it. So now they haven't sprayed it to test it. So they don't know if it's a gel or if it's a mist. They don't know how far it sprays out. And so they're never going to use it. And if whatever tool you have, you don't have confidence using, it's going to stay at the bottom of your purse where it's not effective. Whereas if you have confidence, you've played with it. That's why for me, I carry a lot of water trainers for the typical product I have. And I make women spray them. I'm like, here, go have a water fight. This is water. And they are always surprised by how it sprays. And, and they're like, I didn't know that. And the fact, and I start running down the list. It's really about education. But for me, for tools, it's, I, I like to listen to podcasts. I like to listen to music. And I'm not also someone who, don't tell me not to do something. Tell me how to do it safer. And so, because when I'm walking or running, that's usually the only time I have to myself to listen to what I want to listen to and not baby shark for the millionth time or whatever my kids are current favorite music is. And so I found bone conducting headphones and I don't want to be promoting other businesses on your podcast, but I love my bone conducting headphones. I can hear clear as day, whatever podcast or music I'm listening to, but I, my ears are clear because the piece that, you know, plays the music or plays the sound sits on my skull right in front of my ear. And I can hear, because my ears are open, the, the um, tags on my dog's collar. I heard the other morning a rabbit scamper off into the woods. So that little noise I can still pick up while listening to my podcast. I can hear cars coming. I could have a conversation if I could handle all the different voices in my head at the same time, but I feel confident and safe. So I love sharing that with all women because there's a lot of women who like to one, excuse me, like to run and like to walk. And there's, they're bummed when they're like, I know I shouldn't be listening to anything. And so what they do is they're like, oh, I'm walking. This is my neighborhood. I know everyone here. So I feel safe to wear some, you know, AirPods or hearing, you know, a device. And that's usually where we feel and we get most complacent with our security is because it's our neighborhood. I live in a safe neighborhood. Nothing happens here. So I would rather talk to women and say, what do you want to do? What do you like to do? What do you feel comfortable doing? You know, the tactical flashlight. I love that because I tell everyone Almost every personal security person I know, whether that's executive protection or law enforcement or something in that nature, carries a flashlight. And so women are like so confused, like, how is that going to help? And I have a small flashlight that fits in the palm of my hand. So it's not a big clunky thing, which also means as, as a woman, it fits easily in any purse <laughs> that I have, whether I'm going out at night and it's a cute little clutch purse that fits. It has a beveled edge. So 
if I would go into a physical situation where I was getting attacked physically, it's going to do some damage and collect some DNA evidence. But again, I don't want to get into a physical attack. And so a flashlight can go with me anywhere. It has gone with me on airplanes. It's gone with me into sports stadiums, into concerts. It's a flashlight. But at night, when I'm walking back to my car, which again, in winter, when the days get shorter and it's dark earlier, I'm walking back to my car in a parking ramp, let's say. I can use it as a flashlight to light up where I'm walking. I can look to make sure nobody's in a dark corner. I can make sure and scan under my car, inside my car, the cars around me to make sure there's no one there. And as a preventative, when we talk about first impressions, so a potential attacker who is waiting is going to see that flashlight beam before they see you. And who typically carries flashlights? Law enforcement and security. They're not going to stick around to make sure you are their potential victim or your law enforcement. They're going to get out of there. And let's say that they didn't see your flashlight beam at night. Well, if you shine that in their eyes, it's going to temporarily blind them, which buys you time to get to safety, buys you time to turn around and run back to the exit and get away. So again, I say that to me is one of the best tools because as a mom with two small boys, if my kids are digging in my purse and find the flashlight, the worst they're going to do is temporarily blind each other. They're not going to spray each other with mace, so to speak. Yeah, that's uh, very practical and sound advice, uh, Kelly. And and just for the record, I never go anywhere without a flashlight, a, <laughs> a tactical flashlight either, because uh, they make great uh, striking tools. Exactly. And that's, I think really it's, it's education, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Being kind of that place that women feel comfortable going to and asking questions, you know, the whole, this might be a stupid question, but what would you do with this? You know, and helping them think about affordances because in most scenarios, what would you do with all you had were your wits and your fists? If that's all you had, what could you do with that? Or what's in your environment? What's in your room? What's in your car that could be used as a weapon if need be? And if you're thinking like that ahead of time, then when something happens, you're going to be able to respond that much faster. Um, it's like the OODA loop. I mean, you know, but again, as civilians don't necessarily know much about the OODA loop. So I try and break it down and explain it in the sense of driving your car. We do these skills. The, the life skills that can help you be more situationally aware are life skills you already have. You just need to look at them from a different perspective. Yeah, that's very well said. Kelly, what haven't I asked you that you would like to say? Oh, that's a good question. You know, really, it's I want more people talking about this. I want more people talking about the realities of violence against women that it's mostly by someone you know, an acquaintance, all the way up to someone that says they love you. And so we just need to be reinforcing to women, you don't have to be overtly kind. You don't have to be a pushover. It's not being rude to set boundaries and enforce them. It's more about them and their disrespect for your boundaries. I, always, I heard um, a phrase used on a podcast I was listening to manipulating kindness. And I think that's a really good way to turn it around on that person 
that individual who's making you uncomfortable, who's not heeding your no, no, I'm not interested. No, I don't want to talk to you, you know, back away, back up is that's not you being rude. They're trying to manipulate you. And so if I could just reinforce to every woman, trust your instincts, trust your intuition. If something's not right, your instincts are trying to help you survive. So it's telling you because it has your survival in mind. It wants to keep you alive and it's responding to something in your environment. Even if in that moment, you can't consciously realize what's going on, subconsciously, your senses have taken some sort of information in and they're just telling you, you need to get to safety. And then later, when you think about it, it might become more clear. Oh, that's because he kept, I recognized he, the reason why I was uncomfortable with him is I saw him at every store I went in at the mall. And how could he have gotten to my car saying that he had car issues if I left the store first? So trust your guts, ladies. Kelly, if our listeners want to learn more about you or the Diamond Arrow Group, where should they go? The best resource would be my website, which is thediamondarrowgroup.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as The Diamond Arrow Group, and I share tidbits and tips and breakdowns of you know, kind of what I said before, the what would you do if you found yourself in this scenario? Let's break it down step by step. Here's things to look for. Here's what was suspicious. Again, not victim blaming, not fear mongering. Let's bring this conversation out into light so that we can learn about it and take away that fear of, you know, if I talk about it, it'll make it happen. You know, we practice fire drills. We know what to do if a you know, natural disaster hits. And that doesn't make fires happen more often. That doesn't make tornadoes happen more often. So I want to normalize that situational awareness conversation as well. Well, Kelly, thank you for being on the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Fred. It was great. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.ai slash center. Again, that's ontic.ai slash center. It was produced by A.J. McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.ai slash center for more information. And thanks for listening.